You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. If you have your notes, go there and uh, grab them. Uh, if you have your bulletin, again, on the back of it, you can scan in the notes. Uh, use your iPhone or your Blackberry or your Blueberry or whatever kind of berry you got. Just scan them in and they'll be right there. Make it a little bit easier to follow along. I always encourage you to bring your Bible to church with you. It's good to have it with you. It's easy to do today. You can download lots of applications for it, but good to have it with you. Helps us retain it if we see it and hear it at the same time. Proverbs 4.23, you don't have it there in your notes, but let me read this verse because it's been kind of a key verse for the last couple months. We're going to hear it again for the next few weeks, but good just to hear it over and over again. It'll help it sink in. It's Proverbs 4.23 where it says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. We guard a lot of things. We guard our bank account. We guard our computer from viruses. We guard our homes. We put security systems everywhere. We got a security system in our car, security system in our home. We got, we got codes for everything. Do you have trouble remembering all your PIN numbers or just me? I know somebody said, well, there's an app for you to remember all your PIN numbers. And then I went to set it up. And you got to remember PIN numbers for your PIN numbers. And I was like, just, okay. Then I heard somebody else say that you shouldn't say PIN number because it's actually personal identification number. So it would be personal identification number number. So you're just supposed to say PIN and not PIN number. That's free trivia. Anyhow, (laughs) guard your heart. We guard lots of things, but here Proverbs, this is great wisdom. Guard your heart. Number one, we guard all kinds of other things. You know, that'd be a good message. Do you have a a PIN for your heart? Do 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 you have... Even when I turned on my, my iPad now, I had to type in a number because I, I, I'm guarding it. I don't want somebody to steal it and be able to have access to my stuff. I think if we guard our laptop or our phone with that vigilance, how many know we should guard our heart with more vigilance? This is Proverbs 4 here. Guard it with all vigilance. For out of it, there's a few things that could flow out of here. You could get a few things out of here. You might be able to find a credit card number. You might be able to find some other things out of here. But your heart has got things in it far more precious than that that spring from it. So the Lord says to guard it with all vigilance. At the end of June, we had a, if you remember the message, we had an electric generator on the platform here. We fired it up and we said that the gasoline that went into was comparative to love going into our hearts. Our life was designed to run off of love as much as that generator was designed to run off of gasoline. The generator part of it was where the faith aspect is. When you mix love and faith together, the reaction is power is produced. You could plug something into that generator, and it would run a hair dryer, it would run an electric drill, it would run a saw, it would run different things. The generator produces power. You and I were designed to produce power. That's why the Lord said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you... You shall receive power. I have given you power. Lots of verses on that, that there is a power that flows from within us. Our Lord said, if you believe on me, as the scripture said, out of your heart, out of your innermost being, out of the core of you will flow a river of living water, living power flowing from you. That being said, going back again to the example of the generator, we had a filter, air filter, gas filter on it. We filter out the junk from coming into that motor and as believers, we constantly be filtering stuff in a world that's bombarding us with all kinds of messages, like you saw in that little stethoscope thing, all kinds of messages bombarding us that need to be filtered out. If they get into our lives, they can be forming an addictive pattern or habit. And what happens is our power goes way down. When somebody's an addicted 
are addicted to a certain substance or behavior, their ability to produce, work, function gets severely diminished. Our Lord said, I have come to set you free. I've come that you would have life and life more abundantly. Our Lord's desire, our Father's desire is that we could have the maximum amount of his life, his strength, his power flowing out of our lives for the destiny that we have, but also to help a hurting world around us. So this morning, we're going to talk about breaking free from addiction. Now, when I say the word addiction, a lot of us just check out because that's not me. I don't have an addiction. That's somebody who lives on the east side. Uh, That's somebody downtown. That's somebody here, somebody there. But I don't have an addiction. That's somebody else. And that could be the case. Maybe you don't have an addiction of any kind. But I tend to think that if we were really honest and looked at ourselves, there may be things that have an addictive behavior in our lives where we start to medicate or we start to go somewhere when we're bored, or we start to use things that slowly begin to have a control on our life that after a while we can't do without and begins to control us. And so we'll learn some things today for sure on how to help others, but I also want us to look at ourselves. Lord, is there something in my life that's getting a hold or has a hold on my life? Because if there is, I want it gone so I'd be totally free to serve you. The Bible says, he the sun sets free is free indeed. And living in freedom is the best way to live. Amen? All right. So let's go. Number one, what is addiction? It is to devote or surrender oneself to something habitually or obsessively. You've surrendered. You've made a choice, and you've surrendered yourself to something that begins to control you. The good news, I need to tell you that right on the upfront, is our Lord has come to set people free. That's why he's here. That's why there's an anointing. There's a verse that says the anointing breaks the yoke, breaks the chains. When the Holy Spirit shows up, and people are chained, it's like he has a big bolt cutter. He comes along, he just cuts the bolts, and he sets people free. Proverbs, or Psalm says, uh, that we've been set free like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. When you've been set free, sometimes that bird is a little bit wounded and it takes a while for it to get its strength back, but it's free. The door's open and you can go to freedom. When Jesus comes into your life, sin, addictions, no longer have a power to rule your life unless you let them. Then they would. Luke 4, 18 is there in your notes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what our Lord Jesus said when he sat down that day in the temple. He announced, really, this is his mission statement. Your company has a mission statement. Maybe your family has a mission statement. If somebody said, well, what's the mission statement of Jesus? This would be it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. When did that take place? At the cross of Calvary, when he rose from the dead, he set captives free. He broke the power of chains, of death, of sin, once and for all, for all humanity. That the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors. Our Lord loves to set captives free. Sometimes if people are in a problem, or they're addicted, or there's a, they have an issue, we'll tend to walk around them, trying to keep our distance. Jesus does not keep his distance from you if you have a problem. He's actually attracted to it. He says, let me help. I know how to deal with this. If you know how to fix a problem, deal with a problem, you're you're much more likely to go help. But if you don't know what to do, you kind of stay away. Jesus knows what to do to set us free, and he's attracted to it. What are we addicted to? Boy, we can list a lot of things. 
Uh, I didn't put anything in there, but we could put, we could be addicted to, to sugar. You saw that little stethoscope uh, clip, sugar, sugar. You could be addicted to that. You could be addicted to television. You could be addicted to video games. You could be addicted to prescription drugs. You could be addicted to shoplifting. Uh, there's something we certainly didn't have when I was growing up. I didn't even, I hadn't even heard of it till maybe five, ten years ago. Addicted to cutting, where, especially among young people, where they cut themselves. You could be addicted to that. At first, it was just for young girls, but now they're finding amongst the teens, young boys cutting themselves uh, to try to escape. To escape pain, I hurt myself more so I don't feel the other pain. I cut myself, then I won't feel the other pain as much. Uh, we could be addicted to work. We could be addicted to all kinds of different things. doesn't matter what it is. If it has you, it has you. And Jesus comes to set us free from it. There was a, a survey that was done, some research done. What are the top 10 addictions or sources of addiction? Maybe a better way to put it. And let me run through these really quickly. Number one, and this might surprise you in Vancouver. This might surprise you. Number one was coffee. They said coffee was the number one source of addiction. And I had to read on. And it said as many as 30% of coffee drinkers down six to seven cups a day. So I thought, phew. Man, I'm not drinking seven cups a day, so I guess I'm okay. But uh, but I have to admit that I, I could drink seven cups a day. <laughs> I'd like to drink seven cups a day. Uh, one time we were, when we were in the season of praying and fasting, believing for the facility, and uh, the Lord said, you know, uh, until the negotiation goes through and all the paperwork goes through, uh, part of the fast, it was a 21-day fast, but the Lord said, I want you to fast coffee until everything's through, no matter how long it goes past 21 days. And I thought, you know, it'll probably take another month or so after that. And so I said, okay, God, no problem. And you know how it is when you stop drinking coffee. The first couple of days you get the coffee headache, and, and then it's okay. So I thought, you know, I'm not addicted to it, not a problem. I'll let it go. But 21 days came and went. A month came and went. Two months came and went. It was, like, it was like six or eight months. And I, the other part of it was I, I could drink nothing but water. Well, actually, I, got, I felt better. I was just drinking only water for like eight months. But I'll never forget the day. <laughs> now, I'm not saying I have a problem with this, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I might wrestle with it, okay? Okay, I'm not going to deny it. I could be addicted to coffee. Anyhow, <laughs> that day I was going to preach, and Rebecca brought in a latte for me, and we broke the rules. I had a coffee in the house that day, and uh, yeah, anyhow, (laughs) we better get off of this one. Okay, number two, they said it was gambling. Uh, You know, gambling surprised me, because we run into people, we help people that have a gambling issue, and certainly have helped people that have homes and marriages and families and lost financially through gambling, but this shocked me. Video lottery terminals and slots in Canada bring in more money than all the gambling combined in Las Vegas. Canadians have a problem with gambling. Pastor Anthony was with us last week. He was talking about the work that they're doing with people that are addicted to VLTs, these video lottery terminals, and they were just sharing how highly addictive it is. It's worse than crack cocaine. Once they're addicted to it, it's so difficult. And they borrow money, remortgage homes, families break up. So corrosive, so destructive. Gambling, we could give you more stats on that, but I won't bore you with that. Three was compulsive shopping. 
four in their survey was internet, and most of it, people are hostage to the internet because of porn and cyber sex chat rooms. One survey done by David Greenfield, he's the founder of Center for Internet Studies, he surveyed internet users and found that, again, this is surprising, but 62% admitted logging on to pornographic sites for an average of four hours a week. 37.5% said they masturbated while online. This is over internet users as a whole. The problem with it is it's, you can do it so secretively that nobody knows, but it's a huge problem, very addictive. And then uh, food addiction, binge eating, compulsive eating. Here, here's a good verse just to throw on the side of your notes, Luke 21, 34. I'm going to read out the old King James Version. It says, and take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. Take heed to yourself. Sometimes we think of others, but here the Lord was saying, take heed. Think about yourself. Take heed to yourself. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. Lest at any time there's a drain on the power in you. This will drain your power. It will drain the spiritual power that's to flow from you. And here's what he lists. Number one was surfeiting. Surfeiting is overeating. Then he lists drunkenness and cares of this life. So the Lord, our Lord gives us three things that will drain the power out of your life. And the first thing that he lists is overeating, surfeiting. Other translations put a different word there, but in the original Greek, that word surfeiting is there. Overeating will drain your power in your life. And for some of us, we may not drink or we may not do this or that, but if we are feeling depressed or discouraged, instead of running to God, we can run to food instead. And so he says, don't let this be a negative charge in your life. I can give you lots of stats out of food addiction, but again, not going to bore you with that. Number six was a sexual addiction. And they said it takes on many different forms, but including, the top of the list was compulsive masturbation, sex with prostitutes, anonymous sex, and so forth. Voyeurism, exhibitionism. Huge problem. Bombarded with these messages and images, so it comes out in addictions. Seven was alcoholism. Eight was heroin. Nine was marijuana. We don't have a problem with that in BC at all. Man. Canada Day, walk down the street. I know I got to get over this, but I still. <laughs> Cannabis Day, just like, no, not in my country. Just this, the, the smoke billowing from Georgia and, and Howe Street down the street here was just as so many people were selling something that is illegal in our country and smoking out in the open. And yeah, anyhow, that's number nine. And number 10 is nicotine. And those are, this was the, the 10 that they came up with. And uh, uh, maybe we could make a different list. Maybe we could make our own list. So let's do that. Let's do, uh, keep your phones on. Just make sure they're on vibrate. And uh, you can dial in that number, 37607, and uh, participate in the results. And after we do this, I'll tell you what the other services, what was the highest for them. But you could do more than one as well. You could say, you know, the f- area that I'm tempted is most in my life. Now, I'm not saying this is you're addicted to it. You're just saying I am tempted with this. I wrestle with this. And, uh, for example, pornography, there's a great book that's out called Every Man's Battle. And uh, every man really in one way or another will struggle to some degree. They actually put it on a bell curve. And uh, you're somewhere on that bell curve wrestling with it. Uh, gambling, shopping, coffee, or others. Others could be television. Others could be, uh, it could be cutting. Some of the other things we mentioned, it could be, uh, you name it. So uh, go ahead and uh, again, what is, what is tempting my life 
that could be or is an addiction in my life. So this is just between you and God and your phone. You can delete it afterwards. Nobody would ever know. And, uh, but participate in our little survey here, and then we'll come back after a while and review it. Do you think addictions have a negative effect on our life? How many know a family or a friend that has been negatively affected by, let's say, drugs and alcohol? How many know something like that? Almost every hand goes up. How many know a family or a friend that is negatively affected by gambling? How many? Let me see your hands. Okay, a lot of hands going up. Uh, how many know of people whose health has deteriorated because they've had an addictive pattern, affected their health big time? Anybody know somebody? I think we all do, right? So we don't have to take time to unpack this. We know it has a negative effect on our lives. I think the greatest negative effect it has on our lives is it takes us away from God. Because we, guilt comes in, shame comes in. We almost get to the place of God. You know, I don't even want to go talk to God again about this. Because I've asked for forgiveness for this like a hundred times. And I'm almost embarrassed and I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I feel condemned. And I'd rather not even go talk to God about this. That's a lie of the enemy. Because on one side he comes and tempts us. And then when we do something he comes along on the other side and he condemns us. I love what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. If you want to do a good devotional this week, I'd encourage you to go to Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. And you'll be really encouraged when you read these chapters. Because I don't know if you're like myself, but sometimes I think, you know what? I hate to really talk about what I'm struggling with because if I do, somebody might, they might kind of push away from me. They might even reject me if I told them what I'm struggling with. So I'd rather just keep it to myself and keep it undercover, keep it under wraps. I really don't want somebody to know. Paul, in Romans chapter 7, he comes out there and he's very transparent. He says, you know what? I'm, the very thing I'm doing, I don't want to do. And what I should be doing, I'm not doing. This is the Apostle Paul. So if, if you've ever been there, like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I don't want to do it. I should have done this and I didn't do that. If you've ever wrestled with that, you are in very good company. Because the Apostle Paul said, that's me. I'm wrestling with that. At the end of chapter 7, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. There's a battle that's going on because part of me wants to do this, but the other part wants to be that. And then he says, who will deliver me from this? He says, ah, thanks be to Jesus. He will deliver me. Addictions have this amazing magnetic pull. And they just kind of, like a vortex, try to suck you into it. And as long as you point your life at it, it will suck you into it. But if you say, wait a minute, I have a choice. The Bible clearly says that no temptation has overtaken me, but it's common to man. And God will always provide the way of escape so I can endure it. So all I have to do is point my compass toward Jesus. If I point my compass towards him, that power that's within me is a zillion times stronger than the power of that temptation. And I don't have to be drawn into it. Paul goes on then in Romans 8 and he says, there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't come to condemn us. He came to deliver us from the power of sin. Uh, Look at John 10, 10 is there in your notes. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy's objective. 
with any addiction is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Let me, can I give you a real, do you mind a graphic illustration this morning? Can you handle that? Nobody's saying no, so we're going to go for it. After the 930 service, I was sharing with one of the ladies here at the altar, and we're praying, and, and she shared a situation with me where one of her niece's friends, she's bought into the lie that she has to be thin as a rail to be beautiful. As a lot of young women, get, they, they buy into that. It's like, my, my value will be if I look like this model on the platform. So she bought into that. And she had gone through this whole thing of, of binging. And, and she didn't want to be anorexic. It was going to surprise you, surprise me. You know what she did? She went online and she ordered a tapeworm. She bought a tapeworm online because it's the tapeworm, and then she'd be thin. So she eats the tapeworm. Now, the instructions in the package were you can only have the tapeworm in you for three months. After that, you take another pill, you kill the tapeworm, and then you're thin. She forgot to take the pill to kill the tapeworm. The tapeworm didn't stay in her stomach. The tapeworm went up into her brain. They performed surgery. They surgically removed the tapeworm, and she was in a coma. By the grace of God, she came out of the coma, and she's okay today. Does that sound like kill, steal, and destroy to you? What's the answer? The answer is our Lord Jesus. And I'll get to a point in just a minute that helps clarify why we need that revelation of Christ in us. How do we break free? Uh, let's talk a bit about that. Number one, be honest with yourself. Oh, you know what? Let's, let's go back. Can we, do, can we get the results of our phone survey? Maybe we can bring those up and just see what we were. Because if we want to be honest, this is a good way to be honest, is you just start right now. You could, just by texting in, you were honest. So give yourself a pat on the back. You're honest. I'm struggling with this, or I'm addicted to this. And, and we'll, they're going to bring it up for us here. Uh, that's not it. That's me. Just so you guys are wondering. Well, while they're bringing it up, let's talk about uh, how do we break free. The, the, if you're taking notes, is be honest with yourself and move past denial. Romans seven eighteen, Paul said there, I know I'm rotten through and through so far as my own sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. Okay, here we go. Wow. We have a lot of others in this service. You guys have the most others of any other service. So I don't know what the others are, but there's some other things that are holding you or that you're tempted with. Coffee, this is the highest of any service. Coffee beat pornography. Look at that. Uh, The other service, pornography, was number one. No gambling in here. We had gambling and all the others. Drugs and alcohol has always been like number two or three. So there you get it. Shopping. You guys are pretty high on shopping. Uh, You guys, I could say us. It'd be better. We're high on shopping there. So anyhow, it's just good to get a snapshot of it's here with us. I like what Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery. He said to her, did anybody else throw a stone? And she said, no. What was he saying? What's the message? You're not alone. If we do the survey for no other reason this morning, it's just to let you know you are not alone. If you're a man here and you struggle with pornography, you need to know you are not alone. 50% of men, Christian men, struggle with pornography. You're not alone. 
That doesn't mean you get to stay there. That means we want to stay there. It just means that, you know what? Because the enemy comes along and says, you're the worst. You're, you're alone. You'll never get out. That's a lie. We can be free forever because Christ has come and gives us the power to live free. Okay, so back to our notes how to be free. Be honest with yourself. Move past denial. And uh, we list there a number of things, a number of signs, of symptoms that you might be addicted. If you start saying things like, I don't really use it that much. I'm getting used to this behavior. It doesn't bother me anymore. If you find saying yourself, saying to your friends, I, I don't need any help. I can deal with this. Or uh, just because I like to blank a little while doesn't mean I don't have a, I have a problem. I can control it. I've been under a lot of pressure. I have a tough job. I work hard. I need a little blank to relax. Or you say, well, you know what? I know that I have a challenge with it, but so-and-so, they're four times as bad. So really, in comparison, it's not that bad for me. I think it's okay because I don't have that bad a problem. If we were, uh, if this beautiful Larivé guitar caught on fire up on the stage and it was burning up here, flames were kind of already coming up to the, to the top here and we had this plastic starting to melt behind it and we got this guitar on fire how many of it would be kind of silly for me just to ignore it? It'd be kind of silly. Oh, you know, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a corner. It's okay. Yeah, it's 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 not going to bother anything. You know, don't head for the exit doors, folks. It's okay. You know, we it's just a little fire. It'll, it'll be okay. Uh, it's not a big fire. There was a bigger fire down the street, and much bigger. So this is this is just a little fire. It's going to be okay. You say, Pastor, please put the fire out. Get a fire extinguisher. Get it out. You're going to burn us all down. Well, when we have a little addiction, it's a fire burning in the corner. And if you don't address it and put it out, it will spread to the entire heart area, the home of your life. So we want to not deny that it's there. Yeah, it is there. I'm going to do something about it. That's the first step. Then secondly, we have to remember that we're a three-part being. If you're taking notes, it's three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. This little truth is really fundamental to overcoming an addictive behavior or pattern or letting it develop in your life. Paul was pretty clear that he said, my flesh wants to do the wrong thing. I'm fighting against it. You know what it's like? The best way I know to describe it, because I relate to cars a lot, it's like a car with a bad wheel alignment. If you've ever had a car, you maybe hit a curb and it's got a bad wheel alignment, you drive down the road, and you know what happens if you take your hands off the steering wheel, it goes straight into the sidewalk or into a ditch. As long as you've got your hand on the steering wheel, you just kind of keep, you always got to keep pressure the other way. And if you let go, it's like a mile down there, and you crash. That's your flesh. Because it has this tendency, it wants to head toward the ditch. And for some, the ditch is gambling. For others, gambling doesn't bother me a bit. The next person is maybe a sexual addiction. The next person, maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a, a, a substance abuse. And you know that you can't go into a bar. If you go into a bar, you are tempted to go back in there for the next person that doesn't even phase him. When God delivers us out of an area in our life, he gives us the tools to rebuild the wall in that area of our life. So that the enemy can't come and go at will. The whole story of Nehemiah is a picture of Nehemiah like the Holy Spirit who comes and rebuilds the wall so the enemy can't come and go at will. When you are addicted to something, it comes in and out of your life whenever it wants to. The Holy Spirit comes along, he builds a wall that when the enemy comes, he hits a wall. So wait a minute, I can't have access into that person anymore. I'm out here at the wall. 
if my area that broke down was pornography because I was abused as a child or when I was a kid in the locker room, somebody introduced pornography to me and I never did get those thoughts out of my mind. If that's what's been introduced to me, by the power of the Holy Spirit and his word, I can rebuild that area of my life that it no longer is a part of my life. But guess which area the enemy will try to come and get me to let him in later on in my life. It wasn't gambling or it wouldn't be this other area. If that's the area that's broken, that's where he comes back. So I will always have to be a sober spirit and on the alert in this area. If your area is something else, you have to be more on guard in that area. But we need to be on guard in our lives, always alert. Uh, so we're a three-part being, body, soulless realm, mind, will, and emotion, and our spirit. When we came to the Lord, gave our life to Jesus, what changed? Our heart did, our spirit. God is a spirit, we are a spirit. We became one with him. Our spirit was made new, 100%. God-infused spirit. Our mind now gets renewed to the word. Day by day, we renew our mind to his way of thinking. And from the inside, God begins to flow his thoughts, his ideas, his thoughts being higher than our thoughts, his ways higher than our ways. And that begins to flow into our mind and our minds become transformed. But our bodies, they get affected by it because we're living better, we're living, making better choices, but our body didn't get saved. Sometimes I wish mine did, but it didn't get saved. It just, your body is what it is. Now, you, you live right, it'll definitely affect your body. But what got changed was our heart. Christ in me. Where? In my heart. The hope of glory. In Romans chapter 6, 12 to 14, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to its lustful desires. Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourself completely to God since you've been given new life and use your whole body as a tool to do what's right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master for you're no longer subject to the law. Sin is no longer your master. It no longer rules your life. That old you's dead. You're now new to Christ. Why? Because of God's grace. Number three under this point is don't doubt your value or run from who you are. That girl who took that tapeworm doubted her value. Her value is based on how the world perceived beauty instead of how God perceives beauty. If we doubt our value, if we doubt who we are, our identity in the Lord, we get drawn back into the kingdom of darkness instead of living in the kingdom of light. In the story, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, written by C.S. Lewis, they made a movie out of it, Disney's did, and in the movie, Lucy is tempted to read this spell that would change her beauty. Once already, Aslan, who's the lion, a type of Christ, appears to her and says, you know, don't go there. But there's another time when she's tempted. Then she gives in to this temptation. She reads this, and she's drawn into the kingdom of darkness. Even though it looks beautiful, and it's like, it looks like a party and everything, she's drawn into it. And then Aslan shows up after that because she realizes what happened and he speaks this warm, endearing message to her just like Jesus does to us. Let's watch this clip and then we're going to wrap up after that.
transform my reflection, cast into perfection, lashes, lips, and complexion. Make me she, whom I degree, holds more beauty over me. sister. As always. Peter! Excuse me, miss. Can I get a photo? Your mother's going to love this. All her children in one picture. Smile! Hang on, where am I? I mean, where's Lucy? Lucy? Who's Lucy? Susan! What's wrong? Come on now, miss. Nice big smile. Edmund, I'm not sure about all this. I think I want to go back. Go back where? To Narnia. Uh, there's Narnia. What's going on? Do Stop this! Lucy. Aslan? What have you done, child? I don't know. That was awful. But you chose it, Lucy. I didn't mean to choose all of that. I just wanted to be beautiful like Susan. That's all. You wished yourself away, and with it much more. Your brothers and sister wouldn't know Narnia without you, Lucy. You discovered it first, remember? I'm so sorry. You doubt your value. Don't run from who you are. Isn't that a great statement? Don't doubt your value and don't run from who you are. What, what holds us free from addictive behaviors and what breaks us free? That one statement is enough there. Don't doubt your value. Don't run from who you are. You are a new person in Christ, far more valuable. Look at this one verse there. It's in your notes. Um, we find it in 1 Peter 2.9. It's a rich verse, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Man, if God calls us special, who worries what the others think? He's calling us special, royal, chosen. Why? That we may proclaim his praises. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Then next, understand, breaking free, we have to understand the power comes from the inside out, not the outside in. There's such a temptation to 
fix this, fix this on the outside, and it's going to change me. Really, the greatest change happens on the inside. This is an inside job. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the power that comes from within. If we turn to Christ in us, the hope of glory, that's the key to breaking free. Give you lots of verses on that. First John 4, 4, you are of God, little children have overcome them. Overcome, why? Because he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. Lots of stuff coming at us from the world, but what's inside of us is greater. Uh, we did Colossians 1, 27, 2 Peter 1, 3 to 5. And we know, as we know Jesus better, as we get closer to him, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. Much more in those scriptures. Then number, uh, the next one is change your thought patterns. If you're taking notes, change your thought patterns. Really important the way we think if we want to break free. Last week I mentioned a book downstairs called Who Switched Off My Brain? And we sold up. We have some more in this week. And I want to read just one little clip out of here. Dr. Lee Free uh, writes, and uh, she's an, a lady who... Her PhD is in researching the brain and thought patterns. She said, if you've been told that you are doomed to repeat the patterns in your family, that you are controlled by biology, that you cannot transcend the influence of your environment, then you have been lied to and need to hear the truth. Detoxifying your thoughts can be like selecting a book from a shelf in your library of memories, rewriting a page in that book, placing it back on the shelf free of toxic thoughts and emotions. The good news is we can change the pathways of toxic thoughts, catch this, within four days and create new ones within 21 days. She's saying this after doing lots of research. Thoughts can be measured. They occupy space. They change, grow, shrink, and adapt. But most importantly, they represent you. Positive habits and negative habits are built exactly the same by the same process in your brain. The only difference is that the thoughts release different quantities of chemicals depending upon which kind of thought it is either positive or negative you'll have a different structure caused by these chemicals anyhow i encourage you to pick up the book we have some more downstairs great book on what goes on even medically as we choose to think those thoughts that are the holy spirit is guiding us and directing us to as he lives within us then lastly don't keep it a secret become accountable to someone else as long as we keep it a secret very difficult to be free. James said, confess your sins. Pray for each other. You'll be healed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.